0: Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, wailing and loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be consoled because they were no more. Our King and Savior draweth nigh. Oh, come, let us adore him. Please be seated. In the second letter of St. Paul to St. Timothy, chapter 3, beginning at verse 12, it reads Indeed, all who desire a godly life in Christ Jesus will be, do you know what it says? Will be blessed, will be given many things will be saved. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. In the midst of sin and suffering and death, the Word of God says, but as for you, O church... As for you, O people of God, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. Continue in God's word. We should not be surprised that evil exists in this world. We know that sin, suffering, and death are part of this fallen world. This is why the Lord God himself in the person of Christ came to confront sin, suffering, and death himself in the flesh and to conquer sin, suffering, and death and to be raised in victory over it. That death need not be the final word in this world, but life and salvation to be the final word. We should not be surprised that evil exists. God told us from the beginning that evil exists. It was not God's intent. Sin was not introduced into His creation by Him, but by the kingdom of darkness. What we as a nation, as a people as humanity experienced the other day, is not of God or of his kingdom. It is of the kingdom of darkness. What is the answer? There's only one answer to sin, suffering, and death, and that answer is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only answer My strength is not the answer. Revenge is not the answer. Unforgiveness and hatred is not the answer. Jesus is God's answer to every cry, to every plea, to every tear, to every breaking heart. Jesus is the answer. We who are the church are to make Him known in the midst of the great sadness that has overcome us. We, He has no plan B, we're it. We're His plan. In the midst of sin, it is not the clergy alone that have been called, but all of God's people in the midst of sin to make known in this world forgiveness in the midst of suffering, it is our vocation as God's people to proclaim healing in the name of Jesus. It is our calling as God's people in the midst of death to proclaim life and eternal life in Jesus. And yet, sadly, we as the church and we in this culture have exchanged God for a culture without Him. We have sadly confused in our society what is known as separation of church and state with a separation of God from our culture. If God is life and truth, and we turn from God and from His love, if we as the church fail to make Him known in the midst of this fallen and broken and often dark world, then the kingdom of the enemy shall grow. Murder has been in the world since immediately after the fall, Jesus tells us Himself that the devil is a murderer and has been from the beginning. He seeks to extinguish life. In Genesis 4 4 to 8, when God had accepted the offering of Abel, who gave him the first fruits of his gifts, but rejected that of Cain who made an offering but not of the first fruits Cain became angry and his countenance fallen and God warned him sin is couching at the door its desire is for you but you must Master it. Sin is couching at the door to tear us away from God and away from God's Word and away from our vocation as the church to be the light of Christ in the midst of darkness. We put ourselves and our concerns before the Gospel. We turn to our own reason to understand God an attempt to shape God and his word into our image and likeness and a gospel that we are comfortable with rather than allow our hearts and our lives and our culture to be shaped and molded into the image of God by his word. Sin is couching at the door. Its desire is for you, for this culture, for our children but we must master it. That is, we must not allow ourselves to become slaves of sin, but rather persons who belong to God's Word. Cain did not listen to the warning of God. He turned from God and from the Word of God proclaimed to him. He said to his brother, Let us go out to the field. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. God warned him that sin was couching at the door and that its desire was for him and that he must must control it and not be controlled by it. But Cain hardened his heart. Shall we in our culture and in this church continue so often to harden our hearts? Or will we go out? Will we serve Jesus by serving those who suffer from mental illness? Will we not only call women to, to, in crisis pregnancy to turn from abortion, but to offer to them a chance for life? Shall we minister to the poor? Shall we proclaim hope in the midst of despair and forgiveness, in the midst of unforgiveness and light in the darkness? Or shall the only light that we burn be candles on an Advent wreath? Because if the light of Christ burns only in the Advent wreath and not in our hearts and lives and homes and families and marriages and in our parish councils and in our ministries, then we have no business lighting these candles. If Jesus is alive and present in the tabernacle, but not alive in this world through his church, then the tabernacle should be emptied. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. The world knows this. But do they know the second part of verse 23, chapter 6? But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Satan is real, he is alive, he's not a folk tale. He seeks to de- devour us and to tear us away from God's word. Jesus says in Luke 10, 18, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. We are warned in 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning at verse 8, to be sober, to be watchful. Why? Why? Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. The devil prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking children to devour. What are we to do? Verse 9, we are to resist him, firm in our faith knowing that the same suffering is experienced throughout the world. Verse 10, And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, establish, and strengthen you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. There is a kingdom that shall know no end. Who do we tell? You all know the phrase, you're preaching to the choir. So often the church is preaching, it is proclaiming good news, but it's doing so only in the church. Yes, we need to hear the good news, we need to be strengthened, but the church must go then from here, having been nourished, into the world to proclaim the good news to live the good news in the midst of this hurting and sometimes dark world. We are warned by Jesus again and again that there is a kingdom of darkness, and although it cannot win, it will seek to destroy us. Jesus warned Peter that the devil longed to sift him like wheat, Jesus told him that he would indeed fall, but that he should do what when he f- falls? Repent and return unto the Lord. Revelation 12:12. 12, 12, Woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath because he knows that his time is short. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had borne the male child. Now, who is this woman? Yes, it is Mary, and the child is Christ. But here also, the woman is the church, and her child is the gospel of life and salvation. We are warned that we shall be pursued and persecuted that there will be a time of suffering. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with the flood. The enemy seeks to destroy us. Then the dragon was angered with the woman, that is, the church, and he went off to make war on her offspring on those who keep the commandments of God to bear testimony. And he stood on the sand of the sea. So what must we do? We only know what we know. God, we, the other day when I was watching the news, I was watching the state police give a report, and they decided to allow so much to be known. And then in their wisdom, they felt that it was important that other things not be known. And yet so often in the struggles in this life, we turn not to living out the gospel among, in, uh, in the world, but rather we demand from God that which we would not demand from another. We want to know more. We trust the wisdom of the state police officer, but not the wisdom of God, who has revealed this, that it was not his intention for there to be evil in the world. That it was not he who introduced suffering and death into the world through sin, but us. That there will be suffering and death as a result of sin, but that he would not abandon us. That he himself would come into the world to save us. So what are we to do? Number one, Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, we are to be faithful. We are to be faithful. And they devoted themselves to the Apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. We as the church must devote ourselves to the doctrine of the apostles, to the faith revealed by God himself in the person of Christ. We must know what this faith is. We must be in God's word every day. We must open our heart and fill our hearts with his word, that his word may take deep root within us and overflow from us into the world. We are to share fellowship, in the church, fellowship with one another as we are here, doing here today. We are to continue in the breaking of the bread, that is, in the Holy Eucharist, that we may become living tabernacles for the Lord in the world. We come to be nourished that we may be sent on an apostolic mission. The word for apostle means to be sent with an authority. Today, at the end of the Mass, Deacon Susie will look at me as she does on most Sundays with that look in her eyes that says to me, Now? And I'll nod as I do, Yes, now? And she'll say, Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. You are being sent out by the authority of the church to go into the world. For having been nourished by the presence of God through the fellowship of the church, through the faith of the church, through the breaking of the bread, we are to go out and to be the presence of Christ. Matthew 5, 44. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. How much time do we as the church truly spend in prayer for our enemies? For those who do not know the Lord? For those who have hurt us or hurt our children? How often do we pray for the conversion of their hearts? When I look at myself, do I pray more for, Lord, help me to pay my bills? Lord, help this meeting to go well. Lord, may there be heat in the church. Or do I spend a majority of my time praying for those who are my enemies, fasting for them that their hearts may be changed, that persons would turn not to the world, but to the Word of God, that they would turn not to anger and give themselves over to it, but to forgiveness, that they would turn not to darkness, but to light. How often do we pray for our enemies? We must be faithful. We must be people of prayer. We must pray for the world. We must pray for our enemies. We must pray for hearts to be changed. James chapter 1:21 calls us to repent and then to live the life to which we have been called. Therefore put away all filthiness and rank growth of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. If we who are in Christ continue to walk in filthiness and rank growth of wickedness and fail to receive with humility the implanted word, what chance does the world have in knowing Jesus in 2012-13? It goes on to say, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. That is, if we come here to hear the Word of God, we must then go out and live the Word of God. Can you imagine? And I've used this example a lot. If on the day of my marriage I took the vows and then a few days later Christine said, when are you going to start living out the vows? Oh, I'm supposed to live them out? I thought I was supposed to just hear them. Right? It sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Right, or to sign up for the marines and live like a civilian, and then they come and knock on your door. You need to come. Oh, I I signed up. I didn't mean I was going to actually do something. It sounds crazy. Then how can it be that there is this dichotomy between our being hearers of the word and being doers of the word. What goes on in here must be lived out there. James goes on to say, if anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this man's religion is in vain, religion that is pure and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. In 2 Timothy 3.1, it says, Understand this, that in the last days there will come times of stress. He doesn't say it's going to get better. He's already told us it's going to get better. Worse. So what are we to do? We must, until the end of our lives, proclaim forgiveness in a world that knows only unforgiveness, and love in the world that knows only hatred, and healing in a world that knows only brokenness, and light in a world that knows only darkness. Understand this, that in the last days there will come times of stress, for men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient, ungrateful, unholy, inhuman, fierce, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. Holding the form of religion, but denying its power. Men will be lovers of self. That's me. I often find that I love myself more than I love God, more than I love living out His Word. I have to continually reevaluate my heart day after day and say, to whom do I belong? Is it sin or God? We cannot live and have both the world and the word. We must choose. For men will be lovers of self, Lovers of money. Lovers of money. What shall we seek in this world? Money or the conversion of hearts? Things of this world or things of eternity? Men shall be proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient, ungrateful, unholy. But this is the one when I was preparing the sermon that really got me inhuman. Inhuman. Because true humanity is found in the image of God. And Colossians 1 tells us that there is only one man who is the perfect image of God, and that man is Jesus Christ. And so when we are living out our humanity in Christ, we are human. When we live according to the word, we are fully human. But when we live according to the world, we are inhuman. Haters of good, treacherous and reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And how many, including myself at time, are those who hold the form of religion and yet deny the power of it? Do we believe that there is power in God's Word? Power to change not only our hearts, but the hearts of those in the world. Do we believe that Jesus can bring healing to the sick and wholeness to those who are broken? Do we believe that there is power in Jesus to forgive the unforgivable? Do we believe that Jesus can raise the dead? Do we believe that Jesus is the final word in this world? Or are we those who hold the form of religion but know not its power? Those who seek to live a godly life, in the goodness of Christ Jesus, shall be persecuted. That is, we shall be persecuted by the world, for the world will always reject the word of God. Persecuted means that we will make God's love known, but we will make his love known with sacrifice. For true love is revealed on the cross of Jesus and is revealed as sacrificial. Love cannot be love unless it is sacrificial, unless it places the other above itself, which is why God had to become man in the person of Jesus, for God is love. There's despair in the world. Is there hope? There's hatred in the world. Is there love? There's forgiveness, unforgiveness in the world. Is there forgiveness? There's darkness in the world. Is there light? There's death in the world. Is there life? Not unless we make it so by the power of the Spirit. For Christ has no body now on earth but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the hands that he blesses with. Yours are the feet where he walks among the broken. The hurting, the suffering, the dying, the hungry, the conflicted. Yours are the lips with which He will proclaim good news. What an Advent event to be reminded of our call. For love cannot be love without sacrifice. Let us stand now and remember before God those who have been sacrificed But let us also pray for the conversion of hearts in the world that persons would embrace not darkness, but light. May they rest in peace and rise in glory. Amen.